0: i lead the radius churches and so i get to be with you guys a good bit which has been fun i want to read you a few few verses out of the book of ephesians i'm just going to read them best i can and and then we'll talk about them some this is ephesians chapter 1 verse 15 ever since i first heard of your strong faith in the lord jesus your love for god's people and your love for god's people everywhere i've not stopped thanking god for you i pray for you constantly Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light and that you will understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. His holy people who are rich in, in his glory and in, inheritance. I, I'll read that again. His holy people who are his rich and in glorious inheritance. Let me pray for a minute. Lord, here we are, another Sunday. We've been doing this, some of us are, since we were kids. Uh, Others, Lord, this is is the first time or first time in a very long time. So we we sit in this room, we don't really know what to expect. And I I just want to ask you to move on our room, Lord. I want to ask you to... Do something uh, in us that surprises us by your spirit. We read your word, Lord. You wrote it. We we just read it. Recognize it has power, Lord. Yet a lot of times we read it and it uh, just kind of falls flat. We pray you would bring it to life, have it jump off the page and interact with our hearts even today. In Jesus' name, Amen. I wanted to read it quick like that because what's easy to do is pick up the Bible, read some verses, and then, like, what in the heck does that mean? Which is pretty much how those few verses would go. Like, you read them, they're hard to remember. So I thought what we'd do, we don't have many verses, we'll just take our time, we're going to go through, like, three or four verses, and we're going to go almost phrase by phrase, talk about it, and try to get the feel for the whole, for the whole passage. Um, I'll, I'll try not to take too much time when you got uh, Gina and Lanny leading worship for you on a Sunday morning. You, you want to let them sing, right? Because that, that's like an all-star. No offense, Tim, but that's an all-star lineup right there. It's your wife, right? So it, it works. Uh, I want to remind you, this passage is real simple. It says, ever since I first heard of the strong faith you have in the Lord Jesus, who's the I? Paul. It's a guy named Paul. And if you don't know how the Bible works, Paul wrote 13 books. We call them letters, really. He wrote letters to different churches primarily and a few to different people. And he writes this, what we call letter, to this one group of people called the Ephesians. They live in a town called Ephesus. You would call us the Red Bankians or the White Nolians, right? Like that's, that's who we are. And if he wrote us a letter, it would be called the white nolians that's 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 what the letter would be called and it would be written to us not not to me as a leader it'd be written to us to the church he's writing it to the saints to everyone who believes because this these are god's people he calls them holy ones so if you know jesus if you believed in jesus then you're a holy one and this letter if you were in ephesus was written to you Now, a certain number of letters in the new testament there's 13 that he wrote and there's there's 27 total books And they were written to the holy people. They are written to the followers of Jesus. And through the early years of the church, we recognize they are written to the church. Not just the Ephesians, but to the church, which includes you if you know Jesus. So when we open this up, he says, I first heard of your strong faith. He's talking about the Ephesians' strong faith. And we hope he's talking about our strong faith. Sometimes when you read the Bible, it's really easy to, uh, I don't know, like... Make it not real because it, um, back in the day when I grew up, we read it out of the King James, and it kind of felt not real because it, it almost felt like a different language. Um, but like, like Paul is a guy, like if you know a missionary, that's, that's kind of like Paul. I've, I've planted a few churches. I know Paul, but I'm a church planter, so I have relationship with every church that I've been a part of. I can call a few of the people there that I still know. I still have a relationship. I could write a letter to them. For that matter, I was at Radius White Knoll for three years. Paul was at Ephesus for three years. And so I have relationships. Some of y'all I know really well, and some of y'all I don't because I've been gone for a while. And so I can pop back in, and I know exactly what Wes is talking about when he talks about White Knoll High School football and feeding them because I've been there a whole bunch right? So there's like this, what you want to realize when you're reading the Bible, Paul's got a real relationship with his people. It's not like some kind of thing in another world. It's, it's he's just, He knows where to eat, right? In Ephesus, he knows where to go eat in, in the morning. If he wants three grits scrambled with cheese, um, three eggs scrambled with cheese and grits and sweet tea, he knows where to go, right? Like I used to go to brunches when we lived here, which is no longer. So now I go to Waffle House and I get a, I won't tell you what I get there, but anyway, there's a there's this, it's real. It's not this thing way out there, it's real. It's a guy writing to some people that he loves and he knows the town and he's trying to encourage them. And so he says, when the first time I heard about you, he's remembering the first time he heard about them, he heard about their strong faith and their love for one another. It's a great question for us to ask Radius White, no, what's the first thing people hear about us? What do they say about Radius White, no? What's the first thing? Well, for him, he he clearly loves the people, and, and he's, he, some, Sometimes you hear what you want to hear. Anybody do this sometimes? Sometimes you just want to hear something bad, and so you hear something bad. And sometimes you just want to hear something good, and you want. He loves these people. He wants to hear something good, and, and he hears the good, that they, that they have faith in God, and they live love each other. That be that would be a great thing to be said about us. A word, faith. Um, the biblical definition in Hebrews chapter 11, I'll read it to you. Being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So he says he's heard of their faith in the Lord Jesus. So most of these folks in Ephesus never met Jesus. Jesus is a historical figure, right? Like he walked the planet. Anybody who argues that is not very smart. He, he walked the planet. We can prove that. But he says that he's heard about their strong faith, not just in the historical figure, because Abraham Lincoln was a historical figure, right? Like, there's a variety of people that I've never met that were historical figures, and I believe in Abraham Lincoln in the sense that he was a historical figure. But he's saying, I've heard about your faith in Jesus. So, I mean means more than believing that he existed as a man on the planet, but believing that he's the Savior. We spent a little bit of time on that last week as we opened up this book of Ephesians. These folks have believed that he's the Savior, and they've oriented their lives and put him in the middle. They put everything around Jesus. Would they say that about us? Right? If you're down the road in Pillion, and they're talking about Radius White, no. What they say about the White Nolians, yeah, they those people have some crazy faith in God. And, and then the second line is interesting because there's multiple places in the Bible that do something similar, and your love for God's people everywhere. So not only do you love God, it's really difficult for you to have faith in God and love him and not love people. As a matter of fact, if you don't love people, you probably ought to question whether you love God. It's difficult to have the Holy Spirit indwell you and not love other people. And so would people say about Radius White Knoll, that we love each other, that we do anything for each other. I'm on a little text thread with the shepherding elders here, and there's nonstop activity at Radius White Knoll where folks are being cared for. I'm on a little prayer thread. Uh, when the cards come in, there's, there's this—it's pretty cool. It's not like just this lame, like— Pray for these things. It's got passion to it. I saw it this week. A couple folks in the hospital praying for. It. There's this warlike attitude because of love for one another. When Paul hears about this church in Ephesus, he says, they talk about your faith in God and they talk about your love for one another. What did Jesus say about us? He said, your love for one another uh, will prove that you are my disciples. John 13. Be pretty cool. Sadly, right, we tried to get all this out of here. Sadly, the church in Red Bank, South Carolina, Lexington, South Carolina, South Carolina, United States, a lot of times people would know us for our our gossip, the opposite of love for one another, but the way we talk about one another. And it's got to be confusing as heck, right? Like if you're a part of this community and all you know about the church is that they talk about each other, it's got to be confusing as heck because we're supposed to be known for our love for one another. That means that we're really hard to offend. It means other people, and it's really hard for us to be offended by somebody else. And So we certainly aren't talking about other people behind their backs. Now, we'll talk to people because we love people like when my brother's in trouble I'm talking to him when my kids are in trouble <laughs> I'm talking to them right like there's this when you love somebody you're talking to them you don't talk about them I'm not talking about my kids in a negative way to you I'm talking to them and telling them what needs to change and so this church the church of Ephesus Paul's hearing things they have faith in God and they love one another that's a good start He says, I've not stopped thanking God for you. Can you feel it a little bit more than just like reading the words on the page? I've not stopped thanking God for you. He knows them. He's thankful for them. They're like an outpost on this mission that he's all about. So you can imagine he started uh, in Jerusalem, and, and then there was a church at Antioch, and he was sent out of this church in Antioch, which is a good bit north of Jerusalem. And then this church at Antioch just sent paul all over the place he went on these missionary journeys and so he got to know people in different towns and he knew the believers in the town and so he prayed for them by name sometimes i'm sure at, at other times and more generically i want to pray for all the people in ephesus that know you lord he says i'm thanking god for you at this mission outpost here's what's cool about the church the church ain't never had a center most religions in the world, they have this center. They have this place. They, what? The Mecca, right? Like they, they've got this spot. It's centered. The church, they have center. Judaism, Jerusalem, center. Church, church center moves around. It started in Jerusalem, moved to Antioch, eventually moved to Rome at some point, we would say probably the United States of America was where the most of the activity is. It is now left up to the primary activity of the church where a lot of stuff being sent out of right now is in Africa. It's amazing. The church moves where it wants to because God ain't held down by some little place. He don't need a center. He's looking for outposts. And we are. That's what we are. We're radius white. No, we're an outpost. We're a mission outpost. And as a missionary, I'm thankful for y'all. I'm glad you're here this morning, but I'm really thankful for those of y'all that own this thing and hold it in place so that this part of our town can see the light of Jesus. He says, I pray constantly for you. And then verse 17, this is kind of where I wanted to get. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in the knowledge of God. So, when Paul prays for his friends in Ephesus, the believers, he prays for something. He prays that they'll have spiritual wisdom. Now, what do you pray for when you pray for somebody? Like, a lot of us, the only time we pray, right, is at the table, and you are praying that, what, the lucky charms are fresh, that they're not stale, because lucky charms stale are nasty, right? Like, like, when we get to the table, that's our primary prayer mode. And some of us, we have a little memorized prayer that we'll roll out. Nothing wrong with that, but I, I want to encourage you, like, like, think a little bit more. What do you pray for? Cheryl and I pray for our kids every night. we got a lot of kids. It takes a while, right? So, like... Malachi came up last night, and Mal- Malachi is playing basketball, a little college team, and he is not making his three-point shot. Guess what I pray for? Lord, could you please just let him shoot like 35% because it's just not going in? Right. Y'all wouldn't pray for that? I'm praying for that. I don't know about y'all, but I want the shot to go in because it's my son, and I'm proud of him. But then there'll be times where you're praying about like, like how we're going to pay the bills. And sometimes it's not a negative thing, like we can't pay the bills, but how should we pay the bills? How, how should we take this money the Lord's trusted us and, and distribute it? I don't know what you pray about at your house. Sometimes Cheryl and I will have been in a fight. during. She says an argument, never say fight. We've been in an argument during the day and we're praying. It. And that's awkward to pray with your wife when you just argue with her for an hour, right? Like it seems like well, God was there during the argument. Might as well speak to him here before we go to bed and let's just own it. That's the hardest thing to do when I'm not wrong and I'm praying in that moment. I'm never wrong. No, I'm just kidding. Like, you, you're, praying, you're praying with your wife in that moment. You're kind of both wrong. Like, it's just really awkward to be there with God and, and her because he knows the absolute truth. Even if your facts were right, your attitude was wrong. So to just make that right in a moment at, at, at night is great. That's, that's a great way to pray. A lot of times we pray for just the physical. Not like to get rich necessarily, but just to make it. How am I going to make it through this life? Watch it. Paul's praying for these people that he really loves at this outpost at Ephesus. And what does he pray for? He prays that they'll have spiritual wisdom. He doesn't pray that they'll get what they want. I think it's primarily the way Americans pray because we, we got a lot. We're always praying that somebody or that I will get what I want. He says, I, I want to pray for something even better than what they want. I want to pray for what they need. If at their deepest level, if they have the spirit within them, they want. He prays for spiritual wisdom and spiritual insight. Let's just differentiate between the two. So if I was going to pray for you today, and I will in a minute, I'm going to pray for you to have spiritual wisdom and spiritual insight. Wisdom. Anybody think of a book of the Bible that's a wisdom book? Anybody? Proverbs. Proverbs. All right, Proverbs, 31 chapters. It's a great great book in the Bible. It's full of wisdom. And and as a matter of fact, I encourage my kids, especially when they go to college, to read a chapter a day. So there's 31 days in a month. You can read 31 chapters of Proverbs over the course of the month. And if you do that for multiple months, it's crazy how the the verses will begin to jump off the page. I just did it this morning just to demonstrate the exercise. Today's the 14th, so I read Proverbs 14, and here's here's the proverb that jumped off the page for me. A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy is like cancer in the bones. Anybody disagree with that? Anybody jealous in here? I can tell. You look terrible. <laughs> no, That's what it says, right? That's what it says. When you know when somebody's consumed with jealousy, it's like they just look terrible. Every time you talk to them, you're like, ah, man, you've just taken the life out of me, Right? But, on the flip side, the proverb says, "A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body, it takes all the stress off the peaceful heart, and you're around somebody that's peaceful they just it seems like they're playing life free they can, they can just be who they are. But the jealous person that's always talking about Jimmy down the tree street or oh, is there Jimmy here sorry <laughs> but, or or." or we got Sal, we do have, a say, uh, let's see, uh, Susie, da, I, I, we got one of them too anyway, somebody down the street, they're always talking about somebody else, they're jealous, they want to have what somebody else is, or they look at Facebook and it consumes them about where that lady got to go on vacation with their three friends and, and this jealousy just consumes, them. they're always talking about something they don't have, right? Just kind of a little miserable to be around. Simple proverb. It's a spiritual proverb. It's in the Bible. It's something that God put on a piece of paper so that we could read it and know it, so that we can enjoy that freedom. So he's saying, hey, I want you to have wisdom that comes from God. Some of that's written so you can read it and learn it, and some of that he gives supernaturally. Then he says spiritual insight, and the word insight in other translation is revelation. And it's not like God's going to necessarily reveal something to you and you're going to be right be able to write it down it's going to be God's word right like it's going to have that kind of authority but God through my life and through others lives in this room that know Jesus has revealed himself to us and that's really when when spiritual insight is actually having God reveal himself to you you ever had just a little time with God and you're like it, it becomes more than some exercise of intellect Becomes a spiritual exercise and God reveals Himself to you. It's not like I've ever seen Him. If I had seen Him, I'd be dead, right? Because He's holy. He's, he would overwhelm me. Would, but, but I have, in a, in a spiritual way, experienced Him spiritual insight. So Paul's praying that for for the people at Ephesus. In a minute, I'll pray for you, that you have spiritual wisdom, like the Proverbs, that you'll make a good decision. I often tell my my kids, like, the way you make decisions, you start with the Proverbs, you make a decision according to the Proverbs, according to all wisdom, all the experience that you can get. So ask an old man. Ask a, you never call it an old lady, right? Like an older lady, a mature lady. Ask an old man or a mature lady. Like, ask them what they did back in the day. Learn from them. Gain wisdom. And make your decision based on that unless God tells you to do something that doesn't fully align with wisdom. He usually does. He says, uh, I'm asking God, the glorious Father of Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you will grow. It's the word we use at church all the time. There it is right in the NLT uses the word so that you'll grow in your knowledge of God. What's he mean by that? Does it mean that you need to go take a course online to grow in your knowledge of God? Well, that wouldn't be terrible. It would be good for you to challenge your intellect and learn the Bible online and take a class. That's not a bad thing, but that's not what this means. I want you to grow in your knowledge of God. Another translation, uh, NIV reads, reads, know him better. Man, you know the way I got to know Cheryl better? Time. Just looking at her and talking to her and listening to her. I just got to know her better. We use the word like intimacy. Sometimes that weirds us out a little bit when it's, when it's a husband and a wife. But that there's this deep connection between the two. It's not just physical. It's emotional and it's even spiritual. This connection that a man and a woman have. And, and God actually compares the church Remember, we're just a little mission outpost of the church. But the church and its relationship with Jesus is supposed to be intimate. It's supposed to be close. It's supposed to get better and better with time. I'm at 32 years. Cheryl can finish my sentences. She corrects me before I do what I'm going to do wrong, even before I do it wrong, which kind of annoys me. Like, let me do it wrong first and then correct me. But now she's correcting me before I do it wrong. Like, like that's, that's intimacy. She knows me. And he, he's saying to us that uh, he wants, and, and to the church, that he w- wants us to grow in the knowledge of God. That's the expectation. So how? How do you grow in the knowledge of God if it's not just intellect? Check out the verse, next verse, and it kind of explains it. I pray that your heart's, heart in the Bible is never about the thing in there that's just, that's just uh, beaten I had, I had a stress test this week, and they test my heart. Turns out my heart's really good. Turns out I'm not in very good shape because that stress test about killed me. Like, is you running uphill? And like, they test my heart. They say my physical heart is good. But when the Bible says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded, what does it mean? It, in, in those days, it actually meant this. It meant the center of one's personality, the total person. It's who you are. So when a young girl gets broken up by her boyfriend, what does she say? You broke my heart heart you broke who I am and she's sad and she cries and she works that out and and uh then she you know like Carrie Underwood goes and knocks the headlights out of his truck or whatever whatever she does (laughs) it creates emotion because her heart her heart's broken it's the center of one's personality so he says I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you will understand the confident hope that's being that's being that he has given to those he called so looking back He's praying for these things for them. He's praying for this close relationship with God, that their hearts would be flooded with light. Better way to say that probably is enlightened, that the lights come on. I'll tell you a great way for the lights to come on for me. I've I've been walking with Jesus since I was a boy. And when I was a boy, somebody told me to get, I didn't bring one up here. Somebody told me to get a, a little notebook, and mine was about that big. You remember the ones with the spiral notebook that flipped like this? And I, I left it beside my bed in the morning. I'd get up. And this is going to gross you out. I'd sit by the bathtub in the bathroom because that was the only quiet place. It had carpet on the floor. These days, I would gross you out from a germ stand. But nonetheless, I'd sit on the carpet in the bathroom, and I'd take out my Bible, and I'd read a few verses, and I'd write something on my page. Something I was learning. It's not complicated, right? Uh. 54 years old. I'm still doing that. Still, still doing that, and, and not in some kind of like uh, going to seminary kind of way. I tell you what I'm doing now. These 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 things are awesome. Uh, in the sense, I, I you put the Bible app on your phone. You can see if if you don't have the Bible app on your phone, it's it's, it's I, I can show you the one that I use. It gives you the opportunity to highlight. So a lot of times I'll do that because I always got this with me. I could, and my little plan is, I read two chapters a day. Um, two chapters a day. Like this isn't some kind of science. It's just just a little discipline I have. You might have one. You might do something totally different. But just two chapters a day, and then I highlight the verses that jump off the page. There's usually four or five in those two chapters. So the cool man, you hit this little thing, and your phone shakes when you hit it. It's really cool how this, you hit it. Your phone shakes, and it, it, and it makes it a color. And then after I read the two chapters, I go back. And I'll just pick one of the verses of the five that I'd highlighted. And i write it down on a piece of paper. It's, it's, it's called the soap message method of Bible study. So I write the scripture, S. I write the scripture, and then i make an observation out of it. Just, just something that I was surprised by in that one verse. That's why I highlight it in the first place. That's the observation. And then application is the tough part because application means what I observed, I'm going to do something about. What am I going to do about this? Uh, I, I didn't bring my journal in here, but s- something jumped off the page the other day, and I knew that I needed to go have a conversation with Cheryl. I needed to make something right because it jumped off the page. And then I, then I P, pray, S-O-A-P, observation, application, prayer. Best part of my journal is the last line. It's the prayer line. So, so I, I knew I needed to do something at the application level, but now I just go, Lord, <laughs> I need some help to get that done. And sometimes it's something that I learned about him. And so I just worship. And sometimes I need to thank him for something I already have. So I just thank him. And sometimes I really need some help to get done what he challenged my heart on in that passage. So what happens is over the years, right, over all those years, I can finish Jesus' sentences. I know what he's going to say. I can anticipate what he would say in a certain situation. It's just, just like Cheryl can finish my sentences, I can finish his. It becomes who I am. And it's, that's not because I'm a pastor or a preacher. I'm not doing this for a job. This is about a relationship. It's what we're, this is what we're hoping that the radius churches, that the church does, that they have this relationship with God. And you're like, man, the, the word, it just doesn't do that for me. I'm, I hear you. It is dry at times. There's no question. Man, I, I would just ask you to ask God before you read it, please make something jump off the page to me. We're talking about 10, 15 minutes of, of reading. We're not talking about like reading all day long. Most of us aren't great readers. There's some exceptions in the room. But, but this thing's different. This book written by God through 40 men, 66 books that's been heralded, heralded through the ages as, as uh, made by God, it's different. Really cool to read it and then get to the point over the years, and it takes years. So what? It takes years. You start. Man, the first couple days with Cheryl were Awesome. I couldn't finish her sentences. So this might just be the beginning of a relationship. Man, I, I still, I still look back to that first year with Cheryl as like that was an amazing year as I was getting to know her. Now we 35 years knowing each other, 32 years married, like we're still getting to know each other. And it, it's not always as crazy as it was the first time, but but there's still this life to that relationship. And this thing that we're celebrating at church on Sunday is a relationship but you can only have it if you believe. Check out the passage. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light, that they'll be enlightened, that you won't be dull anymore spiritually. That your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he has called. I'll just keep working the relationship with Cheryl. This confident hope, like I, I... I have this utter confidence in my wife, she and me. And you know we're both flawed, so that's a little dangerous. I have this confident hope in my relationship with God that he has given me what he says he would give me. He said last week at the beginning of Ephesians that I'm adopted as his son. What's that mean? Ladies, he doesn't say daughter. He says it on purpose. He says it to you on purpose because he wanted you to have full rights as son. Because in those days, if you weren't a son, what did you not You didn't get full access to the Father. You didn't get an inheritance. But he says that all believers, male and female, are adopted as sons, which means we have access. Right? Man, with well, my kids used to be running around. I respect you young parents so much. They'd be running all around, and I'd be having an important conversation with somebody, and they would run straight. Now, we had little rules on how they were supposed to do that, but they had access at any time. All the other adults in the room knew they needed to wait. But uh, Israel Reeves could come. Now, he had to hold my arm. That's the rule at the Reeves' house. You can't just come up and start talking. Like, he's going to hold my arm. He's going to wait until, until I speak. he had access to me, though. He come hold my arm and wait. That's that's a privilege as an adopted son. He has an inheritance. In my kid's case, that means like a 2007 Honda Accord. That's that's the inheritance. (laughs) Has security. (laughs) I don't know if their daddy can fight or not, but their daddy was going to fight if somebody came to the door. And I have a bunch of sons bigger than me now, so hopefully they're going to get in there and and give a little help. But there's security in the fact that I'm their father. And they had Discipline. The older I get, the more I appreciate my father's discipline They he taught me, taught me how to live. So he said, we got this confident hope so that you can understand. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light, that you be enlightened so that you can understand this confident hope. You've been adopted as sons. You can walk around in Red Bank like you are God's sons, full of hope. And then finally he says, his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. So he's not talking about your inheritance. He's talking about his inheritance. What the heck does that mean? His holy people. So if you believed in Jesus, hey, I don't care if you walk down the aisle. Have you believed in Jesus? Like, Has he become the center of your thinking? Have you believed in Jesus? If you have, then he calls you holy people. He does this work we read about last week called redemption. So when you believe, he redeems you. Do you remember the definition for redemption? I'll read it to you because I don't want to put you on the spot and be disappointed you don't remember my definition from last week. But the, the definition for redemption is the action of gaining or regaining possession of something you exchange for payment. So he paid for you to be redeemed. So he paid so that you would be made holy. Anybody remember what the cost was? The death of Jesus on the cross. So Jesus died on the cross to redeem you, you're redeemed, which gives you this immeasurable, infinite value. This is what was paid for you to be called holy people. This is what was paid so that you could be adopted as a son. We call that redemption. So he made this payment so that when you believed you you would be saved, that means you're worth this infinite value. That's good news. He says that we're his inheritance. So that means when you know, Cheryl and I, like, this is a good way to go to sleep. Watch Perry Mason. You gotta be as old as me to even know what Perry Mason is. It's an old show, it's black and white. We watch it on Amazon Prime. We watch it probably three, three times a week. It's one episode, it's an hour, it's about a lawyer. Somebody gets killed in every episode. And about half of them, they read a will. And then whoever doesn't get the money kills somebody. That's kind of how it works. They, but they always have Perry or Perry Mason. He'll read the will and, you know, people are disappointed and upset. But it, it's always a rich guy. They, they don't ever talk about the wills from, from us poor people. right? It's a rich guy. They read the will and they're trying to distribute the money. And everybody gets excited about it one way or another. God says when they read the will at the very end, you are his inheritance. If you believe and if you believed, then you're priceless to him. And when the lawyer reads out the will to God, which is a little bit of a stretch of an illustration, but reads out the will, he reads my name. John, he reads John Reeves, and God, God's like, oh, I, what a gift. Amazing. You put your name in there if you believed. Because he paid this infinite price. To make me his son. And now he says that I'm his glorious inheritance. <laughs> Don't make any sense to me. Nothing about me seemed glorious. Yet yeah, that's how he abused me because of the price he paid. Just in closing. It started last week. He called this, this action by him, of which you've got to do nothing to earn. Only believe. He calls it grace. In verse 6 of the same chapter, he calls it glorious grace. And then, verse 16, we just read about it, he calls the Father the glorious Father. The glorious Father executed glorious grace so that he could call you his glorious inheritance. So, if you haven't been to church in a while, man, the whole reason we get together. is to celebrate what he did on our behalf. We're going, you're going to hear some great voices singing in just a second. And listen to them and join, but don't get distracted from the fact that God redeemed you and he sees you no matter how jacked up you feel this morning. If you've believed, he sees you as his inheritance. And he's looking forward to celebrating when you come join him in heaven. Let's pray together. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for how, how different it is and everything else I read. And pray that that would be true for us as a church. I want to pray over us right now for spiritual wisdom and insight. That each member, each partner right here at Radius White know would be full of of spiritual wisdom and insight. And Father, for the, those of us that have known us you for a long time, that again, even as we sit here and sing, you reveal yourself to us. That we remember who you are. Even as we take the bread and juice, Jesus, that we be obedient and we remember what you did on the cross for us. Thank you for listening. This audio is provided as a free ministry of Radius Church. If you would like to reproduce this audio, please feel free to do so. We ask that you do not charge for any reproductions that you make. If you would like to know more about Radius please visit us online radiuschurch.org or download our app from your app store.